at 1 o'clock, the deacons will be getting together. If there is anybody in need that you know of or any concerns that you have regarding those in need, please make sure you see one of our deacons. Deacons, can we see a show of hands? All right. Make sure you see one of them and they can bring that to the meeting. And then tomorrow night at 6 will be our session meeting. Session members, can we see your hands? Okay. If there's anything that you want to bring attention to to the church regarding anything that's happening in the church, make sure you see one of our session members and let them know about that. They can bring that to the meeting. Um, this week we have Bundle Babies, Bible Study on Tuesday night, Music re Rehearsal Wednesday at 7.30. It's our basic week. Nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. Some things are coming, so keep an eye on, on that looking ahead. There's a lot coming Joy's getting pretty active, church decorating party, Christmas dinner. There's word that somebody might be making turkey breast for the Christmas dinner. So, <laughs> great. So, yeah. Sure, go ahead. So, so next Sunday following worship will be some time to prepare for the all-church Christmas decorating party. So if you want to help, help get that stuff prepared, we'd love to see you next Sunday following worship. All right? Are there any other announcements not in the bulletin that we want to make note of before we turn to God and worship? Anything? Okay. So tomorrow's Veterans Day, right? Who, who here is a vet? Who here has served? Oh, look at that. Wow, there's people everywhere. Okay, so I'm going to bring the microphone around, and I'm going to have you just tell us who you are and when you served. Oh, now you're regretting having raised your hand, aren't you? <laughs> okay, so if I hunt with him this week and something bad goes happen, this is why, okay? If he shoots me. Hello? Can you hear? So you, who are you? When did you serve? What, what branch? Air Force, Rich Geronis. When? Or when did you serve? 69 to 74. During Vietnam? Yes. Huh. Okay. You didn't serve? I saw hands. Okay, I need hands up. Okay, I'm coming back this way. Over here. I'm, Car I'm Carl Nicholas. I served in the Army from 1983 to 1989. Huh. Hello, I'm Dave Heidelbach. I served in the Army from 1965 to 67 in Germany, 24th Infantry Division. Huh. They had military back then? <laughs> Is that trouble? Yeah, there's going to be all kinds of accidents to me this week. Tim Crawford. I served from 1984 to 1988 in the U.S. Army. Huh. Hoffman. I went to the Air Force. I uh, went February 12th and just got back in. So. Yeah. So you are by far the youngest that we've had. All right. I saw names back or hands back here. Yes. Where are their hands? Oh, the Scott brothers. He's older. <laughs> I was in the Air Force from 61 to 65, stationed at West Dover Field, Massachusetts. I was a jet aircraft mechanic uh, on B-52s. Okay. So, yeah, I, I was in the Army. Uh, I was a first lieutenant with the 101st in uh, Vietnam. And huh. uh, that was 68, 69. And I was uh, in Vietnam, 69 years old. Okay. All right. Anybody else? Did I miss anybody else? All right. So again, tomorrow's Veterans Day, and we celebrate all the servicemen and women who have served our country, right? 
Jesus said there is no greater thing than to lay one's life down for another. And, and that is at the epicenter of what service means. So let's take a moment and let's, let's pray for all our servicemen and women and remember them. All right? Lord, you know, military is kind of this dicey thing, but at the core of it is a desire to serve to serve brothers and sisters throughout the world, to care for those who are in need, who are being oppressed. So, Father, we give you thanks for each person here today who has taken time to serve in the military, for their willingness to put themselves in harm's way, to care for those who cannot care for themselves. As we... As a nation, celebrate tomorrow all our vets. Let us remember those in our midst that have taken that time out of their lives again to care. Lord, it is to your glory and praise. Amen. All right, Thomas, it's all yours. I could just talk loud. Oh, okay. Please stand and join me in our call to worship, which comes from Psalm 34. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Glorify the Lord with me.
please join me in our corporate prayer of confession. This will be followed by a time of silent confession. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who were crushed in spirit. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. Amen. So the psalmist assures us that the Lord heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. For great is the Lord and mighty in power. People of God, know that in Jesus Christ your sins are forgiven. Be at peace. You may be seated. All right, let's have let's have kids come forward. So I have a box here with some things in it, okay? Okay, nope, back up. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Okay, so I'm going to pull some things out, and I'm going to ask you guys what they are, okay, and how we might use them. Let's put these up here, actually. All right. How about this? You guys know what that is? Does anybody's telephone look like this? No. This is a telephone when Nick and I were first married. This is the telephone we had. It hung on the wall and it had this cord. You could only go that far away from it. Yeah. Telephone. This is what telephones used to be. Okay, so what do you use a telephone for? To call people. To call people. Can I use it to go fishing? No, that would be silly. Telephones are for calling people, right? Okay. Let's try something else here. How about this? What is this? A mixer. Look at that. You know whose mixer this was? This was Nicole's grandmother's mixer. What do we do with mixers? Okay. The name kind of gives that one away, huh? You mix all kinds of things, right? Our kids used to mix um, scrambled eggs and pancake batter and all kinds of things with it. Can I use this to drive a boat? No. No. It's a mixer, huh? You only use it to mix things. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. All right. How about this? Anybody know what this is? We're getting trickier. Anybody know what this is? Oh. A can opener. What is this? A coffee grinder. So what you do is you put coffee beans in here. See, I've got some coffee beans in there. See that? And then we spin this. And see what it does is it grinds up the coffee so that we can make coffee. So do you think I could put chocolate chips in here? No, that would be silly. Could I put eggs in here? Mix eggs? No. No, it's a coffee grinder. It was designed, it was built to grind coffee. What? <laughs> okay, now we're getting really tricky. Does anybody know what this is? You know what this is? What is this? Do these even have names? Yeah. Yes. What is this called? A pastry blender. Huh. So when you take flour and you've got Crisco or something, you mash it up. To, to mix up the, the flour and the Crisco. Huh, that's really interesting, isn't it? You do know these things. And because your mom does bake. Yes, that is very good. Okay, can I brush my hair with this? No, that's just silly. That wouldn't work at all. Okay, I got one more item for us here. <laughs> Do you know what this is? <laughs> a slingshot? No. 
So Mr. Rich, okay, we're getting there. A horn, not a horn. Mr. Rich introduced this to me. So I'm just learning how to hunt, right? And Mr. Rich is my mentor, and he's teaching me all these great things. So he told me to get one of these things. So when we blow into it, it's supposed to make the sound of a buck or something like that. Yeah. What do you think it's going to sound like? Anybody know? Walk. Okay, how about this? Ready? Listen. Uh, that's kind of weird, isn't it? That's why we shoot them. Because who makes this kind of a sound? Uh, that's the goofiest sound ever. <laughs> do you think I could call my dog with this? Do you think he would come? No, he would just look at me silly, wouldn't he? Here's the deal. I don't think it really works because I don't think it attracts deer or anything. I think it just makes me look silly when I'm out hanging out in the woods. Uh, really? Sounds like other things, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Do I? Uh, no. Looking silly is a specialty I have. Okay. So. Each. Did they ask for candy? Is that what they asked for? Man. Each of those items was designed for a very specific use, right? If we tried to use it for something else, would it really work in that way? No. Again, the mixer is not going to drive my boat. Coffee grinder is not going to mix my eggs. Those things were designed to work in a very specific manner. There's this concept within Christianity called righteousness. And most simply put, it's living the way we were designed to live, living the right way. It's a big word that often gets really confusing and everything, but it's actually very simple. Righteousness is about doing what God designed us to do. We're going to chat about that a little bit this morning, all right? Now, candy. 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 What's the purpose of candy? To eat it. To eat it? Why? Because it tastes good. Okay, ho, ho, sit down, sit down. Because it tastes, because it riles you guys up. And you know what's beautiful is I can give you candy and send you back to your mom and dad's and I don't have to deal with it. Woohoo! <laughs> oh, I do have to deal with it. Okay, so how about this? I am going to pray for us and then I'm going to give you guys some candy. I'm going to send you back to your seat, all right? Okay, let us pray. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts, that they would be acceptable in your sight. Because you alone, Lord, are both our rock and our redeemer. Amen. All right, guys. Grab some candy. There's peppermint patties and there's... Okay, you got that? Okay, grab a seat, kiddo. All right. You want candy? Oh, my goodness. All right. Peppermint patties, those are good things, aren't they? Yeah. Okay, so here's where we're at. We're currently in a series that is looking at Psalm 23, and I'm using two sources for this series. One is a teaching series by Matt Chandler, and we're watching that series on Tuesday nights during Bible study. The other is a book by Philip Keller, who spent a good bit of his life as a shepherd. And so he is looking at Psalm 23 from the eyes of a shepherd. Keller has been really good for us by giving us insights into what David might have been thinking about as he wrote Psalm 23. So here we go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So this week, Keller tells us that sheep are creatures of habit. Left to their own will, they have the tendency to follow the same trails 
until they become ruts. And they will graze the same hills until they become utter wasteland. Without proper leadership, sheep will destroy their pasture and consequently themselves. I want that to sink in. A sheep will destroy the land that is provided for it and ultimately destroy itself if it's not guided. We have a very similar situation on our farm with our pigs. So we raise an old school breed of pig. It's called the American guinea hog and it is this small, hairy, black pig. And the, Rick, the reason Nick chose this breed, aside from the fact that it's small, is because it grazes. It feeds off our pasture out at the field, out at the farm. During the summer, what they eat is grass with a very small supplement of grain. Now, here's where it gets tricky. If Nick does not rotate their grazing areas, if she doesn't move them, they will just destroy our pasture. They will eat the grass until there is no grass left, and it's just dirt. And if it's wet out, they will take and root that grass, looking for the roots. They will turn it over and eat, eat the underneath. And so if she's not paying attention, they easily turn the beautiful, lush, lush pasture into a sloppy, muddy mess. Without leadership, sheep and pigs... And while us will just make a mess. How many of us have done that in our own lives? Left to our own, we have made a sloppy, messy, muddy mess of things. You know, I look back over my life before I had met Christ. And while it wasn't my intent, it is definitively what I did. I made a sloppy, muddy mess of all the relationships I had been in. You know, the prophet Isaiah says, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. How many of us prefer to do our own way just because? Y'all know the saying, it's my way or the highway. It's our nature. We have this tendency, regardless of the outcome, to do the same things over and over and over, to make the same mistakes repeatedly. And I'm not talking about leaving unwashed dishes in the sink or forgetting to bring home a thumb drive that your wife asked every day this past week for you to bring home. I'm talking about how we treat one another, both those we know and those we don't know. Again, it's not the intent of the sheep to destroy their pasture, but left to their own, it just happens. It's what we do with relationships. For the shepherd, again, the best way to avoid the destructive nature of the sheep is to keep them on the move, to not permit them too much time in any one location, to not allow them to get stuck in just one place. So I've watched Nick do this with her animals all summer long, with the pigs and the chickens and the horses. She creates a new area for them to graze in, and then she releases them onto fresh grass or pasture. You know, with the pigs, they become so focused on the new grass that they won't pay any attention to you if you step into their pasture, which is very different from they've been there for three or four weeks and you step into that pasture. They will completely just run you over looking for any scrap of food you might have on yourself. They're actually really obnoxious animals. If anybody wants one, we're selling. No. Just kidding. Keeping them on the move is best for our pigs, it's best for sheep, and it's even best for us. If we get stuck in one place for too long, we develop bad habits, we make ourselves susceptible to all sorts of problems, which is why God longs to keep us on the move. He longs for movement in our lives. He leads us in paths of righteousness. God longs not to keep us moving for the sake of moving, but he has a direction for us to head in. He has a path he wants us to take. 
And I think it's important to consider where he is leading us. To understand this, you have to go all the way back to the beginning. Right after creating everything, God set before Adam and Eve a path. In the garden, it was a simple path, right? You are free to eat from any tree in the garden except for one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The path that God was setting before them was a path of trust, trust that God has our best interest in mind. God had planted this beautiful garden filled with all kinds of trees, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. Again, all except for one. The reason being that that one tree would bring with it death. And so we set a boundary there. And everything was amazing until they left the path. Creating a cycle where humanity will repeatedly stumble off the path, chasing our own will over his, making a sloppy, muddy, muddy mess of things. God hadn't set an arbitrary path before Adam and Eve, but a path that was good for them. It really is a destructive cycle that seems to happen over and over and over. God will reveal himself in these big and spectacular ways, only for us to quickly forget who he is, only to forget that he is leading us into goodness as we chase after something else. We have access to every tree in the garden, but we get distracted by the one tree that's going to get us into trouble. That's the only one we want. God will go on to form the nation of Israel. This is history, right? This is our history. Within the borders of Egypt, they will grow and prosper, and Pharaoh will despise them. And so Pharaoh is going to persecute, and he's going to oppress them. He's going to turn them into slaves until God sends Moses to deliver them. And in that moment, God performs these miracles, these signs, ten of them, where he reveals his strength and his authority over the gods of Egypt. And he will lead the nation into a land flowing with milk and honey. But how long does Israel trust him? It doesn't last one generation. There's only two people from that first generation who will survive to experience the promised land, and that is Joshua and Caleb. The rest of Israel refused to follow the Lord, and they stepped off the path that he put before them. You know what's intriguing to me about the God that we worship? It's that he hasn't set before us just a set of rules. He doesn't place us in these boundaries just for the sake of the boundaries. Unlike most other religions, the God that we sing praise to sets before us a relationship that is rooted in trust. He walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. And he walked with Israel as he led them from Egypt in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. There are rules and boundaries that God does set up. But there is also this God who would fill the tabernacle with his presence. He would dwell in their midst in the, meet, the tent of meeting because ultimately he longs to be with us. It's about relationship. God would anoint prophets and priests and kings with his own spirit because it wasn't just about the rules. It was about being with. And then in the most spectacular event in history, God chose the form of a man, a baby. His name was Emmanuel, which means God with us. He would grow in wisdom and stature and favor. He would reveal a kingdom unlike any kingdom the world had ever seen, a kingdom where he himself would be king and we would be his, kingdom, his people, a kingdom filled with life. Jesus declares, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus spoke those words as he talked about being the good shepherd. Because the path that God has for us is all about life. Life to its fullest 
life lived the right way. Righteousness, again, is one of those words that we don't use in modern culture unless we are using it in a bad way. We use it to describe someone that we want to dismiss or disregard because really, for whatever reason, we don't like it. Whereas righteous really just literally means to live right, to live the way that God intended us to live. And that is where God is leading us, to do the right thing, not at the expense of somebody else, but for the sake of somebody else. Consider what Jesus did, right? He laid down his life for the sheep. Sometimes doing the right thing is about sacrificing my way for your sake. The words Jesus uttered on the last night of his life was, not my will, but your will be done. Can you imagine if Jesus chose to do it another way? Jesus sets before us a path where instead of loving myself most, I choose to love others. Instead of following the crowd, I will follow the Lord. Instead of insisting on my rights, I will be willing to acknowledge yours. Instead of being the master, I choose to be the servant. Instead of finding fault in life, I want to seek gratitude. God wants to keep us moving because there is some place he is taking us, some place filled with goodness. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So this past week as we watched the Chandler video, Matt says he believes that this phrase for his name's sake is actually at the epicenter of Psalm 23. It is the purpose that David wrote this psalm. It is the reason that God exists to be who he is. For his name's sake reveals God's heart. Now, I don't know about you when you hear that phrase, but for me it's not a positive phrase. When I hear that phrase, for his name's sake, what I initially hear is the description of someone who is all about themselves. Someone whose ego needs to be stroked. Someone who is looking for affirmation from those around them. Looking to be the smartest, the greatest, the best. That's how that phrase hits me. But that's not God's nature. That isn't his heart. The God who will suffer to lay down his life for us is not an egomaniac. It's not about him. Keller remembers purchasing his first sheep farm. He was a young man, and he describes the property as being sheeped to death. That basically the owner of the farm had been an absentee owner, and he had rented it out to this guy who just overloaded it with sheep and then left and left the sheep to their own. The result was utter desolation, and this is how he describes it. He said, the fields were so overgrazed and impoverished that they would grow very little wisps of grass. The sheep trails had deteriorated into these great gullies, and the erosion on the slopes was rampant. He said, you looked across the farm, and the whole place was ravaged almost beyond repair. That tenant's care for his sheep in the land ultimately reflected not on the sheep, but on the tenant. His name was at stake, and his name was not a respected name in the community. Once upon a time, companies used to care not just about the bottom line, but they cared about the fact that their product had their name on it. Think about just how much names used to mean. Recently, names have come under fire. Johnson & Johnson used to be a trusted name in baby care products. Volkswagen used to be a trusted name in the automotive industry. You know, when my grandfather died a few years ago, there was a freezer that he had in the basement that my mom remembers growing up with. And they were like, do you want that freezer? And I was like... I don't think I could get that thing out of the basement. Names 
used to mean something. We used to trust in products and services because of the name that was associated with them. This, I believe, is what David meant. God leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Because those paths have his name on them. Those paths are good. Something that is interesting about God's name is that his name defines his nature. That's what we understand throughout Scripture. There are over a hundred names for God throughout the Bible, and they each give credence. They build this picture for us of who God is. El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty. El Elyon, the Most High God. El Olam, the Everlasting God. El Elmuna, the Faithful God. Elohim Makase, God our refuge. Jehovah Rapha, God heals. Jehovah Ra'ah, the Lord is my shepherd. If the shepherd cares for his sheep, it will be evident in how they are doing. And then all will know and they will come to put their trust in the shepherd. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Emmanuel, God with us. And do you know what the name of Jesus means? Does anybody know what Yehoah, Yeshua, Yeshua, boy, Joshua means? It means the Lord saves. For God, the name defines who he is, his attributes, and what he is up to. Let us pray. Lord, the path that you have placed before us, I think too often gets a bad name. The path that you have placed before us is a path to goodness. Goodness for me and goodness for those that I engage and interact with. And yet, we choose to stumble off it and wander from it regularly. And so your name gets destroyed, not because of the path, but because of those who choose to say they are your followers. I pray that we would reclaim your name in this world, that we would take seriously the path that you had placed before us, that we would be willing to just trust it, because in it really is goodness and mercy and love, all for the sake of your name. Amen. The praise team and I will be introducing a new song today. So if you recognize it and feel comfortable to sing along, please do. <clears throat> and if you do not, I encourage you to uh, really focus in on the lyrics. Um, this is a song about choosing to praise even when we're in dark valleys.
thinking about this this morning you know we sing all over the place right we sing in the shower we some of some of us might sing in the, who sings in the shower okay come on and who sings in the car okay we sing all over the place and do we care what we sound like no no <laughs> some of us might some of us might which is why I think people yell at me when I'm in the car but um when we gather to worship God, we gather to just sing praises to him. It doesn't matter if you hit the right note, if you even sing, for some of us, the right words. But we gather to praise the living God, and he accepts whatever it is that we bring to him. So when you're singing, let it out. Just sing. Don't worry about what it sounds like. I don't. Okay. On your bulletin insert, we're going to find a list of prayer concerns there. There's a few updates. So Liz Zook calls me this week in delight because Chris Zook had, um, her son had a scan, and he is cancer-free at this point. And so the scan came back there. So we have pulled Chris's name off of the cancer section, and we give praise and thanks to God for, for caring for him in that way. We're still waiting for Kim's scan, right? So Kim has a scan this coming week. Yeah, so, so keep Kim in your prayers. Uh, Shirley Jenkins is at home. She has finished her chemotherapy. She is not really supposed to be out in public right now because her immune system is depressed. But continue to be in prayer for her. She was tired and worn out this past week when she finished that up. But, but it's good. And Bev Pitts has been down. She needs to get a valve replaced. Um, she was down, I think it was in Pittsburgh, having that evaluated. And they said that there, there's this new procedure where they go through your artery to replace that. She's not a candidate for that. They're going to have to do open heart surgery on her. So it's been a couple of rough weeks with the loss of her brother. She lost a cousin. And she is going to have to go for a much more involved procedure. So be in prayer for Bev in the pits right now. All right, what updates do you guys have for me? What prayer concerns would you like to add to the list? Go ahead, Jeannie. So Dick is heading to Pittsburgh this week for a biopsy. This is a regular occurrence for him at this point. Yeah. 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 So we want to keep Dick in our prayers. Pray for good numbers with, with that. Um, and for David, he has just a whole host of health concerns. Yeah. So keep David in your prayers. Go ahead, Carl. So Sherry is in poor health, and the doctors are struggling to figure out what's going on. So let's, let's keep Sherry in our prayers. Great. Go ahead. Okay. Prostate cancer. His name is Mark.
so we'll lift Mark up. All right. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Carolyn's been in the hospital, and yeah, she's not doing real well. Yeah, so so keep Carolyn, and then we'll add Will to the list as well. All right. Anybody else? Go ahead, Peg. lift her up. So Brenda with breast cancer. Grace. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. So Kaylee and her family, keep keep them in your prayers. Great. All right. All right. Let us turn to God in prayer then. Lord, we give you thanks for the life, death, and for the resurrection of your son. And in him, the clearest picture of the path that you have set before us. A path that cares and loves and protects and guards. A life and path that sacrifices for others. Lord, we come before you this morning on behalf of friends and family members. We lift up to you Bronson and Joe, Dick and David. Katie and Kaylee and Lexi and Reagan, Bonnie and Robbie, Tony, Janie, and Rich and Linda. We add to that list Sherry and Will and Carolyn. We pray for all those who are being treated for cancer, for Ashley and Belle, for Krista and Shannon, for Rich and Brooke, for Cindy for Cindy and Debbie and the DePreta family, for George and Terry, for Jean, for Shirley, for Jerry and Gary, for Judy and Kathy and Kim, for Loretta and Nancy, for Sue and John, for Ron and Ed and Rhonda, for Shirley and Chris and Patty and Christopher, for Rick and Russ and Arlene, Kim, Susan, Alex, and Pete, and Mrs. Weaver, and Charlie. To that list, we add Brenda and Mark. Lord, we pray for those who are currently serving in the armed services, as we remember, all who have served or given their lives in the active service. And in particular, this morning, we give thanks for those who have served that are in our midst. We give thanks for their willingness to sacrifice on our behalf. We pray for our sister churches here in the valley, for Sharon Baptist and Sharpsville Church of the Nazarene. And Lord, we take a moment of silence as we lift any prayer concerns that may not have been spoken out loud. Lord, we lift these prayers to you in the strong name of Jesus Christ, who is both our Lord and our Savior, and the one who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please take a moment. If you've not yet done so, put your name in our pew pads. We appreciate that. So the psalmist encourages us to give thanks to the Lord. That we should honor God for his blessings and goodness to us. At this time, as we continue in worship, we will make our offerings to the Lord. If you are visiting with us, please don't feel obligated to make an offering. We're just glad that you joined us this morning.
Let us give thanks. All that is in the heavens and on the earth are yours. Therefore, Lord, receive these offerings as an expression of our love and gratitude. Transform them into a source of life that your kingdom may grow. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn is hymn number 560 for the beauty of the earth. As we follow Ryan from the sanctuary this morning with the light of Christ, we really are following a path that intends to bless us and everyone we come in contact with. Hear now this benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of you this day and every day. Amen.